Hello, my name's Simon Brodkin, and you might have seen me do this. British comedian Simon Brodkin. Simon Brodkin. Simon Brodkin. A prankster evaded security. Some unfunny pillock pulls a practical joke. Here's Kanye West performing, and all of a sudden, Simon Rodkin. FIFA president Seth Blatter showered with fake banknotes. Controversy, dumping golf balls, tainted with swastikas. Get him out. But what you may not have seen me being is me. Well, now you can. This podcast may contain strong language. Celebrity Phone Box with James Phelan. This is Celebrity Phone Box. My name is James Phelan. Welcome back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the first podcast I made, the one with Alexandra, um, because it was the first one and you never really know how good they're going to turn out, but I'm really pleased. And I have to say this straight off the bat, thank you so much for the support. I looked as of about 10 minutes ago, we are number 82 in the iTunes chart with one podcast up, number 82. (laughs) How have we done it? How have we done it? No idea, but thank you for coming along for the ride nonetheless. Um, The person you've got today, I'm so excited about. I listened back to this interview and this is by far one of my favourite interviews I've done because he is great. Let me tell you a couple of things about our guest for today. Um, I first met him in 2016 and those of you who followed my career will know it started when I had a full-time job in marketing and PR, sort of very Shoreditch, if that makes sense, Um, and I I sort of jumped out of that and straight into this, and that was for a couple of reasons. Um, Firstly, because I got offered to do Britain's Got Talent, which I did, and then I did really well, and we got to the semis, and then lots of different things happened in my life, including my uncle passing away, which basically meant it couldn't be shown, which was fine. But off the back of that, I got lots of press and lots of promo, and that's why I'm here now. That's literally what I'm here doing. I have no regrets doing it whatsoever. But one thing that I will say is that I was stood side stage at the Dominion Theatre on a sort of cold and wet January day, and there was this really peculiar looking chap who was dressed in like a full regalia, shall we say. He was so full of nerves. And you know me, I'll just go and talk to anyone, and I wasn't getting much out of him. That turned out, I found out later, to be this guest. Um, Since then, for those of you who have come and seen me on tour, you'll know that we pretty much mirror each other's tour schedules, and it's not intentional, but he's usually a few days ahead of me. So if I'm at a theatre up in Birmingham, there'll be a poster of his, or if I'm at a theatre in Reading, there'll be a poster of me. So usually we're a day or two out, sometimes a week or two out, but we've crossed paths quite a lot since then. Uh, and obviously up in Edinburgh last year, I went to go see his show. Also worth mentioning, two things here, is this conversation, I played a bit of it out on my Trickster Live radio show, because Simon was touring a- until the coronavirus stuff hit. He's still on tour, but the dates have been moved until the end of the year, until early next year. So if you want to go and see him on tour, please do. The tickets, I think, are still available. If you bought tickets for the last shows, obviously they've been uh, moved to then. So if you enjoy this chat, do go and see him. Um, I'm not going to give any more away, actually, uh, because, as I say, this is by far one of the favourite interviews I've done so far. It's certainly in the top three. Um, And so, without further ado, let's crack on. Celebrity Phone Box Podcast. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. With James Phelan. Right, here we go, podcast number two. Um, Just to remind everyone, though, uh, of the rules, it's almost celebrity prank call chat roulette kind of idea, is um, I have to scroll through my phone blindfolded, stop whenever I like, and whoever I land on, 
I uh, basically have to call. <laughs> um, the rules are quite simple, is if they don't answer or they hang up, I lose. Simple as that. And just to give you a little bit of context here, is I'm currently sat in my car, hence the sort of nice isolated sound with a nice microphone. Um, but you might hear the odd noise in the background, whether it's keys or cars driving past or whatever. Uh, the other thing, actually, before I go, is I just want to uh, talk to you very quickly about something I'm doing at the moment, is those of you who listen to my radio show normally... Uh, will know it's Trickster Live and we do loads of really fun stuff. Um, just to qualify that a little bit, one of the things that I've been doing with my producer Ollie is I've been basically winning money off him doing Barbette's games tricks. And I had this idea to see if I could survive without having to spend any money. When I first got into showbiz, the first job I ever got was while I was at university and I used to work at a nightclub doing magic. Um, and it used to pay quite well. But just to sort of top it up, particularly when I was at uni, is I used to see if I could survive all my nights out without having to buy a drink. I'm putting this into a book, um, which works on a couple of levels, really. Is it's quite fun. It's The idea is when the pub's finally open, you can go and do these things to your friends. But also, it's quite nice that if you ever get stuck, you know you can survive. So keep an eye out for it. It's called Never Buy a Drink Again. It's part of a book deal that I've just signed. Um, and I'm halfway through it. So when it comes available, I'll tell you about it. I'll probably drop you an email. If you aren't on the mailing list so far... Um, I don't talk to you a lot, but it'll be really nice to talk to you. There's one of two ways to do it. You can go to my website, which is feelinmagician.com, and that's my personal mailing list. Or if you don't like hearing about me and you'd rather hear about this wonderful podcast, go to phoneboxpod.com, um, and I'll drop you an email with it. Because essentially what I'm planning on doing is giving it away free to podcast listeners just to get the ball rolling. So we'll go there. Right, let's um, get going on the on the chat roulette first. <laughs> I should probably stop calling it chat roulette. There might well be a sort of copyright thing there which i'm not sure i'm aware of um let's have a look okay so unlock my phone go to contacts right i'm at the top i'm at the very top of my contacts right now and i'm going to shut my eyes and i'm going to start scrolling i i've scrolled a lot better than i did last time let me tell you who i've got on the screen at the moment and see if there's actually as far as I can see, only one celeb. So I've got my accountant on the screen. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Um, I've also got, weirdly, the girl who runs BBC Three Counties Radio, which is fun. And I've got one person. Um, this is a bit awkward because I've got him under the wrong name. I've got him under his stage name here. He was very, very successful in the days of BBC Three on the telly. And now he's very, very successful in the theatre. Um, sort of eye-wateringly so. He does 150 dates a year, all of which sell out with a great, great show. And I want to qualify that by saying he is one of the best joke writers that I know. For those of you who haven't guessed so far, his name is Lee Nelson, or his real name is Simon Brockin. He was touring last year under the name of Lee Nelson, which is why I've got him saved as Lee Nelson. But he tours now as himself. Lee Nelson is obviously a character. And his real name is Simon Brockin. Um, let's give him a call. Hello. 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 <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. How, how's the tour going? How's the show going? Tour's going great. Tour's going great. Loving it. Um, dip my toe in the water in the Edinburgh Festival 2019 about performing um, out of character as myself, which was a big change for me because I've always done characters. Lee Nelson predominantly... 
you know, smashing tours, smashing TV shows, yeah. and then I've done some stunts, obviously, from, you know, mostly in character, so, you know, going on the pictures, my Premier League footballer Jason Bent, or, um, you know, showering banknotes over set, left-handing Theresa May, P45, and just felt like, time is right, I want to, I wanna, you know, ditch those things, no stunts for now, no characters for now, let's make it pure, simple, stand-up. So, it just makes setting up a show a lot easier. No clothes, nothing, <laughs> just a microphone. So, save me hours. <laughs> I have two questions for you off the back of that. Firstly, is what made you decide, or like what made you decide to, in fact, three questions for you. Uh, what made you decide to put the characters down? And when you first started doing it, because I was up in Edinburgh, I remember your show, it seemed to be doing really, really well. Uh, is how, how nervous were you when you had to go out without the mask on? Um, and the third question, uh, this is the important one though, is how many times a day do people still call you Lee Nelson? <laughs> Uh, well, my mum has just recently adjusted, um, <laughs> so she's now getting her head around Simon. So, no, it is. I mean, people do, obviously, why wouldn't they? If all they've ever seen me doing is Lee, then they'd think I'm Lee, and that's all they call me. So, but, but most people, what was cool is I went up to Edinburgh, as I say, the show did do great up there. I had a load of extra shows, and um, we you know, went down really nicely with the critics. Um, but most importantly, when I stepped on stage, I wasn't sure how people would react to it. I wasn't sure they'd go, this is weird. But they yeah. didn't. They just saw it as a natural progression from them. Obviously, it's still just as funny, if not funny, as anything I've ever done. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if they'd be like, what? We like Lee, we like the stunts. This is weird. But obviously, my sense of humor is going to carry on throughout everything I do. Yeah. So, but, but I think it was because it was weird for me. It was weirder for me than it was for the audience. Yeah. Why did I do it? It just felt like the time is right. I can't explain. I'm an artist, darling. I just have to go where my heart takes me. Um, I've just, I've just um, had a thought of something, actually, is and you won't remember this at all but I'm going to tell you anyway is in 2016 so I had a full time job in 2016 a proper job as some might say uh, before... it's, not like, it's not like writing down three questions on the back of a piece of paper about a minute before someone gets over <laughs> <a proper> job, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly right um, no but I, w- I had a proper job and I, I auditioned for Britain's Got Talent and I was stood hey. I was, was stood backstage at uh, I think it was the Dominion Theatre at the time, and there was a funny-looking yeah. uh, rapping rabbi stood next to me. And you were on just before me, and it, I d- sort of didn't put two and two together until I saw your documentary. But what I'm really interested by is not so much that one, but when you're stood getting ready to throw golf balls at Donald Trump or sneaking into the Conservative Party conference, What what's going through your head? Are you just really nervous? I'm just hoping to bump into you. <laughs> yeah. The 2016 was when I dressed up as an ultra-orthodox Jew, the rapping rabbi, went on Britain's Got Talent and got four yeses, but then they rumbled me just at the end and said, are oh, you Lee Nelson? Are oh, you Simon Brodkin? It would be now, I would like to think. Um... <laughs> And despite me obviously denying it, they um, they was ashamed that I was going to go on the on the on the live semi finals. Could have won, could have won that year. So, um, <laughs> uh, but, but and, and the golf balls and stuff. Yeah. So, 
what's going through my mind just to get the job done, just to do it, just to all the loads of build-up pranks and stunts all about the planning and the thinking and the forethought and obviously there's testicles thrown in there and there's, you know, but, but lots of it yeah. thinking about what's going to happen, what could happen if this, what, because you don't know what's going to unfold because it's the real world, it's not a TV setup. So, um, at the time, you're just thinking, get it done. And before then, I was probably just thinking, remember the words, yeah. um, because there was this whole long rap and they'd asked me to change one of the verses in the rap, which <laughs> of course they did. threw me. Uh, <laughs> they do that on purpose though, right? It's... People can see it on YouTube, I did, because that was when Channel 4 were following me about for Britain's Greatest Hoaxes, so that's yeah. one of the stunts that's actually out there, and you can see the from start to finish, and you can see my nose, my prosthetic nose peeling off just before <laughs> I was about to go on stage, so I was probably thinking, I hope my nose doesn't fall off. Yeah, they they rung me when I was at work saying, yeah. "Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Yeah, all right." So I pretended I was sick from work for two days, and uh, yeah, yeah. went and did it. That's a good magic trick, right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it goes on telly. No, and then uh, and then Paul obviously passed away, and they they cut it. But it kind of it gave me the. Oh, no. it, I, to be honest, it's one of those things. I'm kind of glad that it didn't happen. Do you know what I mean? I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I do know what you mean. I, I, you got to be sure that you want to go on those things. Yeah. You remember seeing me? Yeah, I, because I, I remember seeing you, and I, you were looking really nervous, and I said, "Are you all right?" And you were like, "Yeah," <laughs> and then went on, and I was like, "That was weird." There was a rabbi there, and then literally yeah. it was like two years later, and I saw it on the telly, and I was like, "Ah, obviously." <laughs> I had no idea it was you though, yeah. like not even the yeah. smallest. Yeah, I, I think it was Ant or Dex noticed. Really. Have you worked with them before? Do they just recognise you or do they just recognise you from the telly? Yeah, I, I haven't worked with them before, but they recognise me and they're on the side of stage. Yeah. So they're the ones that can relax and looking throughout the whole show where yeah. everyone else has got a bit of a job to do during the act. They're just chilling. Yeah, yeah. So do you ever have a moment, you know, when you're stood there with a P45 in hand where you're just, you just I feel like you're going to bottle it and you're just not going to go through it? And on that note, has there ever has there been any that you've been want, that you wanted to do that you either bottled or couldn't get over the line? Bottle, no. Never bottled. Because you know, why, why would you want a bottle? You've been planning it for a while, and yeah. then, you know, you're about to... I mean, before I went on stage as Kanye West, that was, like, very, 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 very last minute, and I'd spent the day at Glastonbury trying to get hold of um, stuff that would make me look a bit like a rapper, not easy <laughs> at Glastonbury, first of all, they mostly sell hemp candles and, um, <laughs> and incense, so... So, but, so, but, and then I just wasn't sure how I was going to get on stage and how it was even going to happen. I kept trying and trying, but never bottle it because, you know, what's the, what's the point? You've been building up to it. There's one stunt that I tried to do when I got rumbled, yeah. but they didn't actually notice it was me. I'm not going to say who it was on or what happened, <laughs> yeah. but that was the one time when yeah. I did get rumbled. Um, so the other thing that I know, I'll move on from this in a second, but I'm actually genuinely really curious is has there been any sort of ongoing ramifications, legal or otherwise, with regards to uh, <laughs> ramifications? Yeah, yeah. You mean have you ever got arrested and have you got a criminal record? Basically? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> legal ramifications. Legal uh, I'm being very BBC. No, no, you're asking me into the 19th century terms. Um, yeah, no, I have been arrested and been in a few police cells and I have got a criminal record, yeah, except latter and then going on the pitch and, but the police are always, you know, amazing and they always, you know, in Britain anyway, the police are always fair play to, you know, they do kind things like loosen my handcuffs, you know, that's like the ultimate respect to a potential crimp. Yeah. 
The thing also, you know, that I quite like about police here is they will very happily tell you that they found it hilarious, but they have to arrest you. You know, that kind of thing. They go, like, we found it hilarious. They have to wait until it's finished and then they can. Once you get released, they go from treating you, they have to go through, they can't be on your side, but then once it's over and they let you go, then they go, just say, mate, that was very, very funny. You know, (laughs) thanks for that, mate. That was hilarious. But but of course, beforehand, they've got to do the whole being a police officer thing, staying character, you know how it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you better than most um so talk to me about your sort of start in stand-up so um you uh, I, I remember sort of in the days of bbc3 and your bbc3 show just yeah. sort of sort of how do i even word this it just exploded and it was one of, one of those shows that everyone was talking about um and i think bbc3 was really good for that you know whether it be you or gavin and stacy or it was just a great platform for lots of different things but like going back a little bit before that how did you start doing stand up like what was your your sort of creative process that made you arrive at a handful of different characters it was um probably less thought through and less efficient than you might imagine i just knew that i wanted to do comedy I'd actually been a doctor for about a year before, and I'm just like, I'm going to be a comedian now. I just stupidly, naively left Manchester, packed my bags, went back to London, and just start putting a few, recorded a few characters of mine. I'm sure most of them are rubbish, and then I took it around and just started posting them for various um, production companies. And I got a really early break on telly, but I was woefully ill-prepared for that. Then I got signed by a comedy agency, and they were like, are you doing stand-up? And I was like, no. And they were like, you should be doing stand-up. And then I started stepping on stage in character as Lee Nelson that flew, and I went up to the Edinburgh Festival where loads and loads of comedians go and loads of industry are, and they saw me up there, and they were like, let's do something. And then, well, good show came that it just went boom from there amazing so when you say so you uh so you know, good show quality <laughs> can't lose it that's what it is um and so when you you say you were so were you just writing sort of telly shows and sending them off to production companies saying i've had this it idea. Wasn't telly shows. i was just steps behind that i was just recording little bits on camera as myself I mean, not as myself, in character. Just yeah. That's all I was doing. Like a 30-second, one-minute bit. Um, silly things, just, just being a, uh, you know, a, um, uh, yeah, just silly bits of character stuff, some of them interaction with the public, some of them just pieces to camera, and just firing them up. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> that's probably the best way, though, isn't it? It takes a certain degree of naivety to get stuff done sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 totally. That did hold me, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you know all the steps that you've got to jump through before you do something, you probably wouldn't do a lot of the things you do. Uh, I don't think anyone would ever have children, for example, because um, it's just simply not worth it in the end. <laughs> but no, you just think, this, this is, this, I like this lady and I like what's about to happen, let's go for it. <laughs> you don't um, do <laughs> but no, you're right. That naivety definitely, you know, held me in, in, in good stead or whatever the term is. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, just thought, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be a comedian now. That's easy. <laughs> and it was the opposite to being a doctor. Because being a doctor, you know exactly what hoops you have to jump through, what exams to sit over the course. However, with comedy, there's no rules. You can get a break in a year, in ten years. You can never get. You just it. it it's yeah. Um, so yeah. I just went and tried it. Although I suppose. <laughs> I suppose it's a bit nicer as well when you tell people you're a comedian. They go, oh, tell us a joke. It's a bit nicer than you telling people you're a doctor and they go, oh, I've got this rash. 
yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, um, yeah, people um, generally what's the better response from a doctor? You get to have a look at various bits of their body, I guess, that you don't want to look at. Be a comedian, yeah, tell us a joke. You don't people don't actually say that much anymore. But maybe I'm not talking to new human beings anymore. I need to interact with new people. For them You've turned farty shavers. Uh, but all my friends and family kind of know it now, so they're less kind of tell us a joke. But they are still occasionally <laughs> take a look at my rash. Um, <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> so you also you seem to be seem to be touring consistently and constantly, which is always and, and also doing you know this is kind of consequential. But every show that I've seen has just been filled to the rafters. So, do you enjoy touring? Is it something that you enjoy doing, or is it hard work? So ever since doing this, you know, going or tried stand-up comedy and doing on that, I've always just, I've loved being on stage. It's great. I mean, it's fun. It's funny. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, every show's a little bit different. But this experience of doing it out of character is even more enriching and even cooler because you're making a genuine, proper connection with the audience, which I just never had in character because they can't be, because they can't properly, properly connect, even if it's just that a few extra percent with someone who doesn't quite exist. Mm. Um, whereas this is, I'm being me, I'm talking to them about things to do with me, it's more personal, it's more risk-taking. You asked me before in one of your list of, of, of ten questions, <laughs> get them all out at the beginning, and, um, and you asked me about, was it nerve-wracking at first? It, it was weird, it was really unusual, it was like right with your right hand all your life, and then suddenly being told to write something with your left hand, like you're like, it was just like, what? Why can't I do this as well? <laughs> and after a while, you learn that it's different, and it's like you know, painting with a whole new load of colours, and, and, and suddenly it's it's it's, it's cool. It, it's it's um, I'm, I'm loving it. So the 100% Simon Brodkin tour, which is what I am now on. Obviously, the name is because I'm being 100% me, which makes a big change. And <laughs> that is this this tour I'm on right now, and it's really cool. Yeah, and I do love it. Brilliant. Um, are you up in Edinburgh again this year as well? Absolutely. That is what gave me my initial Lee Nelson break, and I think it's an amazing festival because it's the place you want to go if you want to show off what yeah. you've got. Called uh, comedy fans, other comedians. You know, it's just a great, and it's fun up there. It's really fun. There's comedy shows popping out all over the place, and so yeah, Brilliant. the plan is to definitely go up back to the Edinburgh Festival probably play the Pleasance again if people know that that's yeah. a really cool set of venues jumping to the Edinburgh Festival which not enough people go I didn't even know about it when I first got into comedy and then someone said have you been to Edinburgh Festival I was like what went up there I'm like oh my god this is where every comedian is it's quite hard to describe it's like Edinburgh is the perfect size uh, city it's not too big it's not too small and there's just comedy shows coming out of every single venue that you can imagine like yeah. and day and night from 11 in the morning to 2 in the, to two the following morning there's just comedy shows comedians it is, it's amazing also do you find that when you're up there it's very easy to sort of lose grasp but there's actually a world outside of it that's what I found oh massively you totally get stuck in it it can be bad it can be mental health wise it's not the greatest place to be particularly if you're younger and vulnerable and more worried about um, you know how everyone's going to think and what they're going to think of you because you can just you can become obsessed and all you do in the morning is wake up um, show think about the show you know maybe go out maybe get a bit too drunk next day you know show, show yeah. just constant there's reviewers and there's peers and there's 
and there's so many shows that people struggle for numbers a lot of the time that you're getting a big audience in Edinburgh is not easy and it doesn't even have to be part of the festival you can go up there have a great time even if you get audiences of 10s and 20s and 30s and 40s and the venues that you play are much smaller you mustn't think of it as that sort of venues three, four hundred people, venues of 50 people, 60, 80, 100 people. So uh, there's so many venues, even if they're small, they are hard to fill. So yeah, it yeah. can be pretty damn intense up there. Thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate the chat. Pleasure, dude. Pleasure. Celebrity Phone Box Podcast with James Phelan. Wasn't that lovely? That was that was really fun. And uh, as I said, it was one of my favourite interviews because it was just such a laugh. Um, he did take the mickey out of me saying ramifications, so there is that. Um, thank you very much for listening again. Um, if you would like to, and I know I asked this last week and a lot of you have done it, so thank you very much. But can you give me a five-star review and just tell me how much you love me or the podcast or the... I mean, not really me. I say that. And if you want to do that, it will make my day. But just the podcast in general or the guests or whatever, because it makes such a big difference, which may well be how we managed to get to number 82 in the charts with one podcast it's just unbelievable really um i also just want to talk about another couple of things really is firstly um talk about me on britain's got talent which we alluded to um i have always wanted to do magic my entire life really uh, it's all i've ever wanted to do and i took this job in pr and marketing as i spoke about right at the top end of this podcast um which i used to have this notebook which had all of my ideas in and the idea was originally to do youtube videos which then you know sort of migrated to lots of different places but i took the job in pr just to sort of work out how to get the videos to do well and i remember sitting there in the office and everyone used to get really annoyed at me there was one particular bloke which i won't name uh, used to be really snooty but i used to sit there and write down whenever i had ideas or whenever i learned something about how to do pr around a video um, i used to write it down and i used to have all of these ideas and then i think i must have it must have been at some point around christmas i uh signed up to do Britain's Got Talent. I'd, I'd never particularly wanted to do Got Talent. I still don't particularly want to do Britain's Got Talent. Um, but I just thought if I get, if I do it, if I just go and make that, that move, um, it will force me outside of my comfort zone, basically. Um, and so the first thing that happened was I... Uh, I don't think I've ever told anyone this actually I got on the train up to the XL which is where the first auditions are and you might know this already you might not 95% of the auditions on Britain's Got Talent aren't from those walk up and audition they're, they're people they've rung and asked to do it um, and or at least I've been told um, and I was one of those people and so I rocked up to I, I put on a nice shirt and I got on the train and I went to uh, the XL and had this idea and I was toying with this idea for ages and ages and ages um and uh i remember ringing my uncle on the train and going through the idea it was when i first sort of knew he was really ill because i uh basically wasn't really quite understanding what i was saying um but anyway i got there and i i queued up and i you know did all the bits that you're supposed to do and there was four other magicians there all were doing quite a similar trick to the one that I was just going to go and show them in, you know, the one that I'd planned to go and show them in the first audition. And so I rung my uncle and I said, I want, I was going to do this, but lots of other people are doing it. Um, I'm just going to go in and wing it and do this trick that I love. It's the trick that I do everywhere. Um, and if you've seen my live show, you would have seen it. And I said, what, what do I do? What would you do? And he said, do whatever you think's right. Um, and he said, and, and I can remember him saying to me years before that, 
why would you want to do anything that anyone else is doing? So I went in, and the first thing that I did, I met a guy there called Barney, um, who still works at Psycho. He used to work on a TV show called The Farm, if you remember. So he knew of me, but didn't know me. And I walked in, and I faced the, faced the judges in the room, and there was no one there. This is a true story, by the way. I walked in the room, faced the judge, where I thought the judges were, and there was no one there, and I realised I was facing the wrong direction. So I went and did that, and then we had this whole conversation about the magic and doing that kind of stuff, and did this trick. Then I went and did the, sh- the I went and did the show, and it was at the Dominion Theatre, and I had to be there at seven o'clock in the morning, and for some reason I was the first one there, and I went and did this routine that I'd come up with, the one that I'd spoken to my uncle about. Um, and I, I knew he was ill then and I, I didn't know how serious but I knew he was really ill and we didn't know um, and I wasn't allowed to say anything um, and then it was the day of the audition I found out that it was a brain tumour and I went and did the audition and it went really really well and got my four yeses got through to the next round um, and then Basically, all hell broke loose. <laughs> it's the truth of it. Is that it got announced that what was wrong with him, um, and it was just manic. They couldn't show it because obviously it's filmed in January. He passed away in March, and it would have been shown in May, so it just didn't work. Um, but we just end up having just press around for ages and lots of conversations, and then that takes us to 2017, the end of 2017, where I started my show Trickster, which then led to the radio show, which then leads to where we are now. And then I'm at this year, I'm putting together the show Mind Blown. Um, and the show was supposed to be on tour already. It's been pushed back um, at least six months, but we'll see. I'll sort of keep you in the loop on it. But I still do that routine. I've changed it a lot and it's been on stage a lot. But it's that routine that I was on the phone talking about when it was nothing more than a seed of an idea. And the thing that I found with these things is when you're trying to write a show, it's impossible to force the ideas. The ideas that take the time are never the very good ones. But the good ideas are the ones that are just there. They jump in and they won't leave. And you, it's still stressful. Like it's still very, there's a lot of thought that goes into it because you, you have a million things firing off that are a million different moving pieces and it's almost like a huge puzzle that you can't see all of it but you're starting to move stuff together and and put it together Um, and then with this routine particularly I put this straight into the tour at the end of 2017 and I've done it in the show ever since it used to be the last thing in the show it used to be the close and now it's the close of the first half Um, and so that's that's still there and it's nice uh, because the thing I'm finding is once you make something that's really good once you make something that's there and it's good and it's written and you've done it a million times and you know it can't be any better um, or if it can be any better it's just marginal things like little picky things that you sort of pick on um, it's there forever and you can do it forever and it's a staple of the routine and I would love you for all to see it when the show comes out it will it will be there and you'll be able to see it and see what I meant um just with regards to the book again I'll just talk to you about this is it's something I've wanted to do for such a long time and it's so much fun and just going through all of these things you know these tricks that I've done for years and years um that I used to use on nights out when I was at uni um and I used to teach my housemates so they could go out and do it they're just some of them are magic but lots of them are just really clever um and really fun and their bar bets, if you remember The Real Hustle, the TV show The Real Hustle, and they had lots of stuff like that on there. It's, it's lots of that kind of stuff, like proposition bets. Um, as I say, the book's called Never Buy a Drink Again, which will be on Amazon. But when it comes out, if you go to um, 
phoneboxpod.com and just type your email address in i'll give you a free copy anyway if i don't see you until next week thank you very much for listening this is celebrity phone box and my name is james Phelan. celebrity phone box with james Phelan. please hang up